So we're talking about can God be trusted? Has anybody ever lied to you? How did that affect your trust in them? I talk to people all of the time uh, that have a difficult time trusting others. And a lot of times it's women who've been abused by men. Sometimes every man they bring into their life they wind up being abused by them. And over a period of time, they just don't trust men at all. Um, there are others who, because of situations in their life, perhaps there's death of loved ones, or maybe death of a child or death of uh, someone that was very close to them. They have a hard time trusting God because they don't understand why God would do that kind of thing to them, not understanding that it wasn't God uh, and, and that Satan is the author of death and not God. But then they wonder, why didn't he protect them? And, you know, those are some hard answers or so hard questions to answer sometimes. But what God wants you to know that he can be trusted. And he's never going to do anything he didn't say he said he wouldn't do. He's never going to. And he's always going to do those things he said he would do. OK, so he can trust you. You can trust him. A lot of times we want to form a God in our own image make him after our own pattern to so that he does what we want him to rather than what he says he's going to do. And so we have to be very careful that we don't form a God in our own image because that God will let you down. That God will lie to you. But the God that we serve has said, I will never, ever lie. Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Scripture says, Let God be true, and every man a liar. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Like I said, there's a lot of people who can't be trusted. Um, their word has no value. If they're opening their mouth, in speaking, you know they're lying. What God wants you to know is he can be trusted. There was a time, and maybe you remember this, there was a time when a man's word was his bond. And if they said something to you, you could shake on it, and it was a done deal. You could believe them. Uh, you could bank on it. You could trust them. There's some of us who are the same way. We're you know, if we say you're going to do it, we're going to do it. But now we're living in a day that even if you go to the lawyers and sign up contracts and, and verify the things that you've spoken, uh, you still don't know whether it's going to come to pass or not. So the words of people don't really matter anymore. Even contracts don't matter for a lot of people. Um, but I want to ask you a question. Has God ever lied to you? God has never lied. And it's not in his makeup to lie. 
It's not in his makeup to sin. He will never speak half-truths to you. He will always speak truths. And he will never speak half-truths to pacify your feelings. He will always speak truth. He will always speak truth whether you want to hear it or not. Uh, he is not going to try to tell you what you want to hear. He will always tell you what you need to hear. Okay? Uh, another passage in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. So God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to, to lie. Every promise he ever made in his word will never be broken. Scripture says that not one jot or, jot or one tittle shall pass away from this word until all is fulfilled. A, a jot and a tittle is like a, a cross T and a dotted I. Everything that God has promised will be fulfilled. You can trust his word. His word will never be broken. There are hundreds and hundreds of promises we find in God's word. Uh, the one states, this one in, in, in Titus, uh, states that there's a promise of eternal life and that you will live forever. That's amazing, isn't it? That's a powerful promise. Uh, if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then this promise is for you. This promise is for you. This Bible is a remarkable book. And it doesn't just contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. A lot of people think, you know, you can go and, well, Jonah's not part of God's Word, so we'll rip it out. And then the other part of the passage is not God's Word. Let's rip it out. But pretty soon there's no Word available because everything is ripped out. God's Word is... True from cover to cover. And we need to believe it. We need to receive it. We need to put it in our heart. We need to study it. We need to memorize it. Uh, we need to get it in our heart. It's a letter. It's a love letter from God to his children. There are some people who say, well, I can't understand the Bible. Well, it could be that you're reading somebody else's mail. Because when we become children of God, there's something that happens when we read God's word. The Holy Spirit begins to enlighten it and it begins to be real to us and it begins to conform us into the image of Christ. There's something when you, when you become a child of God, this becomes a living word to you. And it affects our heart. I need to stop and pray. There's something not right in the service today and I don't know what it is. Okay, so can we just pray? And I'm going to ask two or three of you to pray before I go any further. Thank you. Have you ever considered what would occur in, the, in this place? We truly believe God's word. 
I mean, if we truly believed it, not just said we believed it, but we really believed it. From, I mean, God said, it's impossible to please me without faith. And I want to please the Lord. And if it's impossible to please him without faith, if it's impossible to believe to, to please him unless I believe what he tells me, then I want to please him. I want to believe what he says. I don't want to just pretend. I want to believe. If we truly believed, I really think, if we as a congregation truly believed, it would transform not only our lives, it would transform our church, and it would transform our community. I know that's the case. We read it, we study it, we memorize it. Sometimes we have a difficult time believing. Because in this word, in this Bible, are eternal truths that if we can ever come to a place we believe, lives are going to be changed. Lives are going to be transformed. <clears throat> Look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 4, 12, if you would. This passage says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. A lot of people think this Bible is archaic. A lot of people think that this word is is dead. They believe that no longer applies to the people in the 21st century. And there have been individuals throughout history who've tried to annihilate it, who've tried to destroy it, who've tried to demolish it. But throughout history, it continues to serve a people who believe. God is a God of his word. The word is alive. And when you plant it in your life, if the faith grows, it's, it's kind of like a seed. As you begin, as you read God's word and as you put it in your life, it's, it's Jesus said in a parable that it's, it's like a seed and it begins to grow in your life. And pretty soon, as you continue to water that seed and as you can to, um, to meditate on that seed and as you can to, to fertilize that seed, it, it begins to germinate and then it grow up and it can become a great thing. Scripture says, Jesus said, if your faith is such, you can move mountains with your faith if you only believe. Well, how do you get that kind of belief? The, the, kind, the way you get that kind of belief is just start putting seed in your heart, saying what God says, believe what God says, meditate on God, what God says, and pretty soon you can be a giant. There's a, I don't know about pretty soon, but eventually, eventually you become a giant. Uh, some of those redwood trees down in California, the Sequoia National Forest, Redwood National Forest, they began with just a seed. It's not a very big seed. It's just a seed. And they grew up to be 280, over, some of them to over 300 feet tall. I incredible. And it starts with just a tiny seed. And I believe God wants to grow up giants here in this congregation. 
I believe he wants that seed to grow up and begin to germinate and that power would come forth from you like you've never experienced before. The same kind of power that Jesus was talking about when he was talking to his disciples. Scripture says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and the thoughts and intents of the heart. The, the sword, uh, the double-edged sword, was developed by the Romans. And it can be a deadly weapon. But it could also be a scalpel. And that's what the Word of God is. This Word of God is, can be a deadly weapon, especially to our enemy, especially to Satan. And we come against him, we fight against him, we fight against temptation with the Word of God. We fight against the attacks with the word of God, and we can stand him off with the word of God because it's a sharp two-edged sword, but also, Scripture says, that it divides asunder between soul and spirit. It's hard for us to discern what the difference between soul and spirit because they're so interconnected. The soul, we I've learned, was the mind, will, and emotions, but the spirit is that part of us that connects with God. But did you know it's hard to connect with God without your mind, will, and emotions being involved? It's all part, it's all connected. And if somebody uh, destroys the soul, they've also destroyed the body. Actually, they can't destroy the soul. They can't destroy the spirit because that belongs to God if we go, uh, if we've trusted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. So, God's word have you ever been reading God's Word and there was conviction that set in? Have you ever been listening to God's Word and conviction set in? It's like, oh, man. And we can either delight in that and we can get our hearts right with the Lord. The only reason conviction is there is so that we can get our hearts right with the Lord. What He's showing us is that we're separated from Him. And what He wants us to do is confess and repent and so that our relationship can be restored. Conviction is a good thing. Conviction is a wonderful thing. And so rather than resisting it, we need to say, thank you, Lord, for showing me that. Because I don't want anything to stand between you and me. Thank you, Lord. But the Word of God can differentiate, can separate those things for us. A lot of times... I don't know if many of you have gone to counseling and psychologists, but a lot of times, one of the tools that they use is that you, they want you to do an, a life inventory. And they want you to talk about all the negative things that ever happened to you in your life. That is depressing. It can get very, and then once they discovered or uncovered all of that, they want to give you medication so you don't feel so bad. Okay. Uh, what if, what if God was able to really differentiate between your thoughts, the garbage thoughts, and what is actually between you and him? Wouldn't that be remarkable? And that's what this is talking about. That's what it's talking about. We don't have to go dumpster diving. We don't have to drag up all of the garbage in our life to make us feel better. I mean, that's not even... Smart. But here's what I've discovered. 
It's when I go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, what's going on? If I react or I respond in a way that's not the proper way, not the godly way, and it's a habit, I'm saying, God, what's going on here? Did you know that he'll show me? And then he'll help correct me? Then he'll help me to get over those areas in my life? Conviction's a good thing. And we need to be aware of what's going on in our soul. We need to be aware of what's going on in our mind. Because if it's not of God, then we need to find out why. What is taking us down this road? Because if we continue to go down that road, that we're going to get stuck. And we may wind up not only hurting ourselves, but other people as well. This word of God is a seed. Sometimes we go knock on doors, share Christ with people. And many of them don't want to hear. But do you know we're just dropping seed? We're just dropping seed. We don't know what's going to take place to that seed. We don't know if that seed's going to rot or if we don't, or it's going to grow. But our responsibility is to plant seed. Just keep planting seed. Just keep planting seed, planting seed. Planting seed. Another passage uh, that God talks about regarding his power is found in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Very uh, a powerful passage of scripture. It says all scripture is God-breathed. Some translations are inspired by God. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the word of God is here to equip us, right? To help us so that we don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore and watch everybody else do the things that God would have them do. And you say, man, look at that, man. I wish I could. The word of God equips us to do the, the work of God. The word of God equips us to do the work of God. And God, so one of the reasons the Lord has given it to us is so that we can accomplish his will here on earth while we're living here, okay? But I want you to notice this, this uh, word. Actually, it's one word. It's a compound word in our uh, um, language, in the English. It's also a compound word in, in Greek, uh, the word God-breathed or inspired by God. from Rick Renner, uh, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, breaks this down, this word down in this way. He said, this is a, a, a compound word, theonoustos, a compound of two words, theos meaning God, and pneuma coming from the word root word nua. This root word nua communicates the idea of a dynamic movement of air. The Jews considered this word theonoustos to denote the power in which God spoke the world into existence. Okay, so when God, how much power would it take to create the universe and speak it into existence? More than we've got. More than we've got. At the beginning of time, God said, let there be light. And I don't think he whispered it. I think there was power behind it. I think there was unction behind it. There was authority behind it. He spoke it into existence. He created Light from darkness. Who can do that? He created everything out of nothingness. Who can do that? 
Only God can. That takes some power. That takes some mighty, mighty, mighty power. And the Jews believe that the same words that are used here is the same unction, the same power, the same flavor, the same grace, the same fragrance that it took to speak the world into existence is what it took to speak this into existence. The same life that was spoke the world into existence is the life that lives in here. Scripture says that the word God breathed and it's useful for teaching. Scripture says that it's alive. Scripture says it's powerful. It's amazing what God's word can do. All scripture is God breathed. Say all scripture. Say it one more time. All scripture. Every word. Every word written in the Bible is God breathed. It's God empowered. It's God inspired. And it's just not, it, it's not just another book. It's not a book of fairy tales. When we study and apply God's word to life situations, things begin to turn around for good. Now let me just say this. If your life is going in the tank and it's not a test of God, it may be that there's some truths and some principles in God's word that you're not applying to your life. And I would encourage you, if you're struggling in relationships, there's scripture in here regarding that. If you're, if you're struggling in finances, there's scripture in here regarding that. If you're struggling in any area of your life, there's scripture, there's principles in here that apply to those things. And if you turn those things around, if you begin to speak into those things and do it the right way, things will turn around for you. I know that's the truth because I've applied it to my life. And it works. Did you know that Scripture says that a soft word turns away anger? So when people anger you at you, do you try to get anger back? You blow up? Do you get angry as well? Or do you so just speak to them softly? Try it. See what happens. A soft answer turns away wrath. There was a fellow, Billy Sunday. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. He was an evangelist. Actually, he lived in Odell, Oregon. His ranch was there. He was a great evangelist. Uh, he was a very pretty wild evangelist. And one day he was preaching, and, and somebody didn't like what he preached. And he came forward and said, I don't believe God's word. And so Billy Sunday reached down, took his nose, and twisted it. And blood started coming out of his nose. And Scripture says, Billy Sunday told him, Scripture says the ringing of the nose brings forth blood. Do you believe it? So, you can, you can prove God's Word. You can act on God's Word. Uh, you can, uh, yeah, he, he was not well-liked by everyone. Uh, but, it, you know, he preached truth. And he preached righteousness. But that was back in those days before you could sue people. Uh, 
So as you grow in faith, and as you grow in God's word, you will also grow in power. So let me share this with you. The power that's behind this word is the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the power behind the word. Listen to this passage of scripture, John 1, 1 through, well, 1 and 2, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then in verse 14, we find out who the word was, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the power behind the word. Jesus is the power within the word. Uh, we need to receive it. We need to believe it. Scripture says that one of the things that the power does is to set us free. In John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing truth and believing truth sets a person free. Did you know that lies keep people in bondage? I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. I have nothing to offer. That's words of bondage. Because that's totally opposed to what God says in his word. And when we believe lies, we, we are stuck until we get out of those lies and we begin to receive and believe the truth. Now, believing truth on top of lies is very difficult. So what what you need to do is repent for believing the lie in the first place. Ask the Lord to forgive you for believing the lie. And then ask Him to remove it from your heart so that you can receive the truth. If you've got a bunch of rocks in a glass jar and you put water in the, in the rocks, it, is that, and you fill it to the brim, is that container filled with water? No still has rocks and you can what you can do you can memorize god's word and you can try to get it in your heart and, and, but here's the deal until you get rid of the lies you're going to have a hard time believing what god says you're going to have a really hard time so what time when i'm reading through scripture and i find things that god speaks and i'm thinking man i don't really believe that then I'm asking God, Lord, would you please forgive me for not believing your word because this is what your word says and I know you're not a liar. You've never lied. You're not going to lie this time. You're not going to lie to me. So Lord, please forgive me for believing this lie and get it out of my heart. I don't know where it came from. Yeah, I do. It's projected on me by blah, blah, blah. Lord, I forgive them projecting for projecting this lie upon me and Lord, I ask you to Work in their lives too. Because evidently that's what they believe. Lord, remove that lie from my heart because I want your truth in my heart. And you know that I have memorized before I learned this lesson, I memorized lots of scripture to try to get in my heart, but it never got in my heart till I got rid of the garbage. Once I got rid of the garbage, then I can believe it and I can receive it and I can walk in it. Just encouraging you. God's word never is never wrong. 
Never wrong. Never wrong. If there's a problem, it's not with him. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. That knowing the truth is not just knowing it in your head, it's knowing it in your heart. Knowing the truth is not just receiving it up here, it's receiving it right here. Once you know the truth in your heart, then you can walk in it. Then you can believe it. Then you can receive it. Lord, give us truth in our heart. Did you know that growing in faith doesn't come by praying for it? Growing in faith comes by reading God's Word. Look at this passage of Scripture. I shared it with you last week. I'm sharing it with you again because this is a kind of a foundation. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Now, we have this Word, which is God's words written to us. Uh, it's in the in the Greek. It's called logos. But did you know that there's also some rhema words, some words that come to us by that the Holy Spirit speaks to our lives, that the Holy Spirit speaks to our uh, uh, our soul. Did you know that? Get her some water. You okay? Oh, you're choking on the word. <laughs> uh, that's okay. So, when we hear a word, how, how many of you have ever heard the Lord speak to you? Speak to your spirit. Okay. That's called the rhema word. It's called the rhema word. And this in this particular passage of Scripture in Romans chapter um, 10, verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That, that Greek word is rhema there. And here's the deal. Whenever God speaks to your spirit, boy, that's when you really need to take notice. That's really when you ought to lift your eyes up toward the heaven and say, yes, Lord. And most of us, I hope, hopefully all of us, have been sitting in a church service sometime and the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. Sometimes it was one time maybe when it, you came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You felt conviction and you looked up and realized that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't even realize that's what it was. You just knew that the conviction was there. And you gave your life to Christ. You repented of your sin and you trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. That was the rhema word to you. I'm, I'm always, when I'm in counseling, I'm always listening to see what God says so that I can help those individuals that I'm counseling. When I'm preparing for a sermon, did you know that I had 15 pages of notes this morning? And... There were, so I have to, the, the difficulty is trying to find out what not to preach. Not what is there is to preach, but what not to preach. 
So I cut it down about four and a half. And this is very important to God. It's very important to His heart that we learn to believe, that we have faith. It is impossible to believe God. I'm sorry, it is impossible to please God in Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Say impossible. So how much am I pleasing God? How much are you pleasing God? And that's the question I have to ask myself, Lord, how pleasing am I to you? Because without faith, it's impossible. So if I have a little faith, maybe I'm pleasing him a little bit. So I want to grow in faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder, say rewarder, of those who diligently seek him. And that's a key word. Diligently. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do many of you like rewards? I mean, I work partially for rewards, right? Because it's important to me. Scripture says, and if we diligently seek him, there's a reward because of our faith. Faith causes us to diligently seek God. But we're not seeking His gifts. We're not seeking His rewards. But we're seeking Him. We're seeking him. Well, it, you can read, there were many people in Scripture, Joseph, Daniel, Moses, Abraham, uh, the apostles, all of these individuals sought God. And they were rewarded for their diligence in seeking him. So as we close today, I'm going to ask you a question. Actually, a few questions. If you're not a believer, if you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Scripture says God cannot lie. And before time began, He promised eternal life. Before time began. He had all of that in place before He created the universe. Incredible. And He wants you to live there with him. He wants you to hear his voice calling you. He wants you to repent of your sins. And he wants you to come to him. He wants you in his forever family. That's what he wants. Also, you may be here today and you may say, Pastor, you said that truth will set me free. And I need freedom in my life. Part of that step of faith is acknowledging that God can set you free. 
if you want it, he wants to do it for you. I get to work with people weekly and watch miracles happen in my office when they're set free. I've seen people set free from addictions. I've seen people set free from demons. I've seen people set free from a lot of different things. God can set you free. That's his plan. That's what he wants to do. The truth will set you free. And you may be here today and say and, and think that there are some areas in my life I need God to intervene, but I'm have a hard time trusting him. God wants you to know he's there for you. And if you diligently seek him, he will reward you. Don't just pray once or twice. Be diligent. Father, I come before you today. And ask that you would just have your will and way in our service. And God, have your will and way in each of our lives. Prepare us, Lord, for your work that you have for us today. Give us the faith that we are to uh, work in. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.